Hello, and thank you for tuning into the Everything Must Go podcast. I'm Stephen, and with me is Brandon, discussing the federal court case between Harvard University and Students for Fair Admissions. But before we go into this, we actually got a voicemail here from a listener, which we're going to play now. It's in regards to episode number 19, the Stand Up For Yourself episode. Hi, this is Lee from the show of The House of Lee NYC, and I just listened to part of your episode 19, Stand Up For Yourself, and one of my answers would be, if I knew that something would bother me if I did not stand up for myself, and that would in turn, you know, meld into anger or being irritated with others, then I would definitely stand up for myself, and if that means... Uh, sending back the french fries because it didn't come with the mozzarella melted cheese (laughs) then so be it anyway i love what you're doing take care we'll talk soon bye-bye well first off just want to say thank you for listening we always appreciate that and uh yeah damn them for messing up the french fries yeah what the hell (laughs) don't mess with lee's french fries and mozzarella (laughs) no i mean (laughs) <laughs> I'm not really into the whole French fry and mozzarella thing, but <laughs> mozzarella sticks, I'm all about those. Especially the one from, uh, what's it, TGI Fridays. They did this uh, all-you-could-eat appetizer thing for a little while, and I used to go there, and I would eat until I would throw up. True story. <laughs> <laughs> I love how this was supposed to have this like really deep, like, yeah, I'm going to stand up for myself, but we're just really curious about these mozzarella <laughs> French fries. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, think, yeah. <laughs> I think it, an important thing that she brings up is is being aware of something that bothers you, and and not containing it. I mean, I think there are times, like we talked about, where you just got to let things go because it's you know n- not meant for that time, or you just be patient. Sometimes the patience ends up working out for for the better in the long run. But uh, don't be afraid to, to stand up for you want, what you want. And I, I think that uh, Lee gave a good il- illustration of that. So thank you very much, Lee. Yeah, there's, there's some times where if you just let it bottle up inside, you're just going to explode eventually. You know, you got you to gotta be calculated. But at the same time, when it comes to these mozzarella french fries. Get the or, damn uh, mozzarella. <laughs> get the damn mozzarella. <laughs> <laughs> If you guys want to leave a voicemail, um, we always enjoy these. Leave us a voicemail, 513-427-EMG5, and we'll, uh, we'll play it on air. Hell yeah. On air. We'll like, comment. Like we're, <laughs> yeah. like we're live. Like we're live. <laughs> <laughs> this is all live recordings. What's going on right now? Incredible. Uh, <laughs> so this story for a lot of you might be old news. Um, I know that we advertise these episodes as trending a big part of what steven and i do for this process is is finding a topic that's that's pre- prevalent and relevant in the news that we think we could have good dialogue on and this topic was the one that stood out the most to us this week so i'll break down kind of where we're at um in 2014 a lawsuit was initiated against Harvard on the basis that their admission process discriminated against Asian American students. In this lawsuit, both the plaintiff, which is Students for Fair Admission, as uh, Stephen had said earlier, and Harvard reviewed admission records 
and obviously came out with different results. The, the plaintiff believing admission records show discrimination through unofficial quotas and that the evidence through these records show quote-unquote racial balancing to select classes of people and possibly abusing the, I guess, standards that the Supreme Court has set for limits on affirmative action. Harvard, on the other hand, stated that colleges and universities must have the freedom and flexibility to create the diverse communities that are vital to the learning experience of every student. Now, that's a direct quote from uh, Harvard University. Now, regardless of the claims brought on by both sides, it's important to note that the suggested solution by the Asian American population that is supporting this lawsuit, they think that the admission process should be race neutral. So, I'll start off with that being kind of the the lead into our discussion on this. Do you think for the sake of just education and admissions process of, of these schools, do you think affirmative action or race, you know, paying attention to race in the admission process should be a thing or do you think it should be blank slate, everyone just turns in an application, you don't get to find out who they are, where they're from, all that kind of stuff? So here's the conflict in this. When I first think about it, I want to say, obviously, having it be blank just seems ideal because then we would get people based on their credentials and not what they look like or their backgrounds or anything. It would be, it seems like it would be more fair. But at the same time, it it has been proven that diversity is more valuable in workplaces. It's, it, with diversity, it it causes it, or with diversity it's been proven to be more effective because if you have too many of the same like-minded people and it, it just makes common sense if you have too many of the same like-minded people then you're going to be really good at some things but there's going to be gaps in what you know so yeah. what you want is a room of 10 people who kind of f- fill in the the not strengths the weak the weaknesses the weaknesses of people basically <laughs> <laughs> So if you have a weakness, it's kind of like with relationships even. In a, in a perfect world, the person that you're going to be with, kind of their strengths or your weaknesses, and you kind of balance each other out. That's kind of the concept of having diversity. When you have a bunch of different types of people and with different backgrounds, there is more information going around, and you can handle much more or a variety of different problems. Like Problems can be solved because you've got all these different minds going. Yeah. So... That yeah, my thought process is just I would love to to do this, but I don't know I don't know if it's possible. Well, here's my thing, and I guess the the point of affirmative action and and people get upset with this because a lot of people are ignorant to the idea that minorities are held back in any way shape or form when it's a pretty apparent thing that it it is still going on today where minorities just don't have the same opportunity opportunities as other people. So affirmative action is set up to be able to help those people that are held back get opportunities that should be fair, but end up not being just because of all of the discrimination and prejudice against people uh, within the minority communities. I understand a big part of me wants to say the same thing that, you know, you started off with is like, why can't we just take a blank piece of paper and just say, 
you know, we're basing this on academic stuff. We're basing this on the, the essay that they write. We're basing this off of this, this kind of stuff. But the problem is, you know, like as a white male, I'm just born with a privilege where I can just get opportunities by just being born the way I was born that minority communities don't get. And so I have a better chance when I, when I turn in my blank piece of paper, not telling what race it is, I have a better chance to have like the higher scores on things because I most likely have, have had better opportunities throughout my childhood. And one thing that is very interesting to me, and I've learned this through developmental psychology, the University of Minnesota has done a lot of twin studies where they take you know, identical twins to try to find out how genes play a role in uh, our development along with just like the nature versus nurture aspect. And there was a specific twin study where these two identical twins who were grown up in the same home, but one was a little more neglected than the other, ended up being shorter and had a lower IQ than his identical brother, identical twin brother. But when they started the study, they put these two twins in the same environments, gave them the same nurture, and all of a sudden, the shorter one and the lower IQ one caught up to the higher IQ brother. In IQ, um, he started growing more. Like, all of this stuff. I mean, there's a certain point where you you lose out yeah. On, yeah. on the ability to grow. But I'm just saying, once you're given the opportunities, you can develop in, in a thriving manner. So the great thing about affirmative action, my, my point behind this is with affirmative action, those people who might have been discriminated against growing up now get an opportunity to be put in a place with more limitless possibilities and they can maybe catch up to people who have been born with privilege. And so it's a very dangerous road to just outright take this away and i'm wondering if there might be other solutions to help the admissions process be fair still but without eliminating affirmative action altogether well i think a good analogy for kind of what you're describing to me is sometimes if you have like maybe 10 people who are all at the same point in their lives yeah Sometimes there's instances where other story, the story to get there are more impressive than others. So right. if you just saw their credentials on, on a piece of paper, sometimes you don't know like the full background of their story. And to me, sometimes it almost is more impressive when a minority gets somewhere versus the majority, just because you know that there were some definite hurdles that they had to overcome in the process because 100%. they may have come from just any any worse type of conditions than the majority and sometimes if you didn't or if, if that is not explicitly stated on a resume or something it it kind of detracts like you don't know you don't know the story kind of kind of as you talked about you having the privilege by just being a white male in the United States of America does give you that a little bit of an advantage right. so i can see that that side of the the argument but i guess if i were to give a potential rebuttal there is no perfect way of doing this because at the same time like everybody has things that they go over like if, if you are if you have Tourette's you're not going to put that on your your resume but it would be pretty impressive if you were able to have 
Tourette's and still function in in certain ways. Yeah, and that that that's kind of my process. Like you don't know, like you don't. It's not going to say that they suffer from depression. It's not going to say that they lost a uh, a brother or sister growing up. And these are the types of things that people have to overcome. And it's it's by overcoming these things that we gain strength. And sometimes it it ends up having some sort of benefit. And it 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 shows that this person can overcome things. Not all that stuff shows up on the resume either. So this is one of those things where even though it does seem great to have it be a blank slate, no matter what you do, it is impossible to really know the full backstory and what someone had to overcome to get to where they're at. And that adds I don't know I don't know if that takes away from anything, but it does make me think that no way no matter how we are going to do this, there is not going to be a perfect system. No. Any I mean, in a perfect world we wouldn't need this anymore. But like like I said earlier, there's still obvious issues uh, holding our society back in terms of race, and and so that's where we there has to be there has to be some sort of effort to try to get everybody on a level playing field. And until everyone is on a level playing field, we have to do things like this. Well, um, let me ask you that then. Do you think that? I- there ever will be a time where we'll all be on a level playing field. Do you think that's even an achievable task? I mean, the the idealist in me wants to say yes, because I think we have progressed as a society in a, in a lot of ways. Obviously we're still progressing and there still needs to be conversations had. I think the realist in me doesn't think we will ever because I just don't I mean there's since the history of humanity there's been ignorance in in some form or fashion and I don't know if that can be eradicated in its entirety some people just don't want to put in the effort to try to gain the knowledge I mean we've talked about people who just you know say <laughs> ignorance is bliss ignorance is bliss yeah the people that are just like oh uh, uh you know, I just believe in this because the other thing's too hard to to figure out. So it's just like I don't understand science, so yeah. I just believe in Jesus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it at that point, those people are kind of you don't want them to be at a lost cause, but if they're not willing to put in the work to take in the education and take in the discussion, unless we somehow figure out how to fix that problem. I don't think we're ever going to have everybody at a level playing field. And and so this might need to be the standard for all of time. Um, that's a sad thing to say, but I'm just trying to look at it realistically. I don't I it, it's I can't say right now that it 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 would be a time where we would all be on an equal playing field just for the current state I, I see things in, you know. Well, let's think about the what would be the benefits and the negatives to having a blank slate. So, to me, the benefits are if there's if you don't know the race of someone, then there's there's really no discrimination. You can't discriminate. Um, mm-hmm. It would be more uh, more of a black and white process. It would just be okay. Well, these the credentials here are better than this person, so this person gets in. This person does not get in. So those would be some of the benefits. The negatives would be. You could just have an entire university of one race. You could have an entire university that's comprised of like 
90% two or three races. You might have... Well, and I like think every- that's what Harvard is like yes, arguing. That's what Harvard is worried about. They're Because yeah. they're like, well, shit, we don't want to have blank slate and then it just be a bunch of white people and a bunch of Asian Americans because then we're just limiting the diversity within the campus and the different you know, points of view and perspectives. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, to me, what, and we've, we've sort of talked about this before when we talked about the higher education thing, is you, you don't really, in, in theory, it shouldn't just be grades and credentials. It should actually be like what this person actually can offer from their background, like all the, all the different things kind of put together. Sure, having good grades is a, is a part of it. That should be a big part of it especially for going to such a prestigious university. But to me, you know, someone who's got some cultural benefits, like they've done some things in the past that could really bring some light to the university. That's the kind of stuff that matters to me. Someone who's inventive, innovative, that's the kind of stuff that you want. Yeah. Well, that's actually a good segue into the next thing. So the next thing, the claims of discrimination from the plaintiff state that Harvard considers traits such as quote unquote likability and quote unquote kindness in making up personality scores. So what are your thoughts on traits like those being considered in the admissions process? I love the idea of using things outside of just the normal grades because being someone like (laughs) who struggled in school and didn't have a great grade point average, it would have been to my benefit definitely to have other personality traits and other things about myself be considered here and although I think that these ones are a little bit goofy I don't know that I have better suggestions but come on like likability and kindness like what does that really mean just someone who you think seems okay (laughs) upon first meeting them well this is where (laughs) I'm I'm thinking there might be some other variables that come into play besides just like Harvard wanting to meet a quota I'm wondering, you know, who are the people that are making the decisions to uh, on what someone's likeness or or, or likability or kindness is? You know, uh, do they have a diverse set of people that are are bringing are interviewing people and are going through the the records and doing all that stuff? Because a lot of times we find that even our you know our administrations and whatnot are run by. Uh, a lack of diverse people. And so this is where I'm like, maybe, maybe instead of us just going after this idea that Harvard is, um, knowingly try, uh, pursuing specific, like, uh, percentages of minorities within their, you know, uh, university, maybe it's more a situation of, we need to look at top to da- top down at the university. Who's doing this admissions process? Who's doing the interviews? Who who are looking at the people? You know, do they have a diverse background? You know, where do they come from? All this stuff. And I know that's a lot to ask, but I think it's important to push push the limits on that stuff so that you have a better chance of of a fair um, landscape for people to to kind of go through. You know what I mean? Right? Like, who, who are these people who are deciding on these things? Because I'm pretty sure if you and I were just put in a room and we had to decide between these 10 people, like, who's the most likable? I don't even know that the two of us, if we tried to work it out, might not have opposite opinions on every single thing. Because who hasn't had that person that they work with that you're kind of like, they, they make a comment, they're like, man, I love this person. And you're like, really? Like, part of you deep down is like, 
I really hate that guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, that guy sucks, but people just don't see eye to eye, or people are sometimes fake, and they don't want to, like, fully admit how they actually feel about someone. So there's a lot of room for error with this strategy, which is, I think, part of the reason why, when they try to do this acceptance into schools, it's just easier to find things like, okay, well, this person's grade point average is higher than this person's grade point average. Let's accept them. But that's not always a great idea either. Right, yeah. No, I like your idea of, or, or your your support of something other than just great. Because, I mean, yeah, that for me, I didn't, you know, school wasn't my forte. I, I had a hard yeah, time. Both of us, honestly. Yeah, look, yeah, I think you and I are, are really good examples of people who have a lot of uh, immeasurable things that you're not going to, that's not going to show up on a resume. Right. Like incredible jokes, you don't. That's nowhere yeah, on there. That that should be mandatory on any resume, any application, and we'd have a job immediately. We should be running Harvard with just the simple fact that we have incredible jokes. I mean, I I'm not disagreeing with that at all. I've I've thought about this before. No, I'm just kidding. I haven't. <laughs> no, what I'm I was thinking about say, it now. <laughs> I, I was going to say too. I mean, you, you know, you had the example of. If you and me were making the decisions, we'd have different views on who are likable, who's likable, and and all that stuff. I mean, just think of our time down in Tennessee. You know, I when I moved down to Tennessee my sophomore year of high school, people thought I was an asshole, and you know maybe a lot of maybe that's the majority opinion, but I like to think that I'm a pretty kind <laughs> person, and it was just the demeanor that I had was different than what they were used to because it's just, it's a culture change. So where are these people coming from? You know, a prominent university like Harvard is going to pull in people from all different walks of life. So that's where I'm saying the diversity in the people that are making the decision might be something to, to really look at here because my bluntness or sarcasm in, in a conservative area down south might be looked at as asshole behavior, but up in uh, New York or, I mean, the Midwest, people might think it's just funny. Oh, I I've, I actually have a good example of this. Literally this morning, um, I, I talked to my mom on the phone, and she was talking about how my mom likes a lot of different kinds of music, and she's like, but I just can never get into heavy metal. To me, it's just a bunch of noise. And for me, if anyone knows me, I love heavy metal, so... The idea of me being at a heavy metal concert or having a conversation about metal with someone and someone not understanding or appreciating it just kind of gives me an idea that we're all so different that the the ideas in our head of what we like, our preferences, are not going to be the same. And as much as you want to try to get people on a school uh, school admissions group to make these decisions all being in alignment, it's impossible. It's going to be so difficult, and that's the reason why I think the United States is so test-heavy because you've got over 300 million people in this country, a lot of which are kids going through the school systems. How do we separate them? Oh, let's just give them these standardized tests so that we can decide, oh, this person's grades are better than that person. They got a higher score. Let's take this person and not this person. It's an easy way to, like, sift through the process. When, yeah, things like likability, that's kind of a big deal. Like, someone who is generally... Uh, charismatic and enjoyable to spend time with. Those are the people that I like to work with. I don't want to work with just some smart dickhead who doesn't understand me. Yeah, that's true. And not to get too off topic about the education 
aspect. But a big reason why testing is such a huge or prominent part of American education system is because with testing, you are able to get funding. You know, mm-hmm. if, if, if I have a school that has really high test scores, I've got a better chance of getting the funding that I need to, you know, produce a, a quality school. So, I mean, there are, there are other things to it, but I ultimately, the point of this thing is that it's, it's good that they are trying to search for more things than just, you know, what, what did they get on the SATs? What did they get in the ACTs? You know, what, what's here, what's there. So I like that in theory, but I just think maybe this need, this part would need to be ironed out because you do have the possibility of, especially if you're not transparent with what, what you're going, what you're deciding on in determining likability and kindness that, that leaves it open for interpretation of, well, how do I know that they're not you know, judging me based on some preconceived notion or stereotype or, you know, whatever. So it, I mean, it, it's all very complex to, to balance, but it is something that I think if we could just take a little longer to iron out, maybe we can get more solidified uh, solutions, you know, uh, better solutions to the issue. Um, did you have anything else that you wanted to say about this point though? No, no, I think we can move on. Okay. So back into the story then. The the case was initiated back in 2014 and had has now gone to federal district court because the Justice Department supported the plaintiff in stating Harvard has done little to nothing in their responsibility to show that admissions do not inflict unlawful racial discrimination on Asian Americans. Now, a wrench in the mix is the seemingly torn community of Asian Americans. So the president of the Harvard Asian American Alumni Alliance, she states that her members have worked super closely with the admissions office over the past three decades and has seen the university go out of its way to recruit Asian Americans to their university. Now, there was a a separate... um, name that I, when I was doing the research, kind of popped up, Nicole Ochi. Now, Nicole Ochi is a supervising attorney for Asian Americans Advancing Justice in Los Angeles, and her department has participated in the research of this admission data, and they state that there is no admissible evidence that Harvard is discriminating. Uh, She says, and I quote, We don't believe that there is any credible evidence of discrimination against Asian Americans. And even if there were, it wouldn't be caused by affirmative action. Based on what we know, any negative effects are the results of policies that benefit white students or implicit bias, both of which are both of which also detrimentally affect other minority student applicants. So that's end quote. So this kind of leads into my next question with the Asian American community kind of on both sides of this, do you think it sullies the claims? Definitely. I definitely think, because there's always going to be people on both sides, like no matter what the issue is, there's always someone who's going to be crazy and not see the other side. But in this case, I think it it definitely weakens it. And yeah, I I think it's, it's a lot weaker now as a result of this. Yeah, well, the thing is, is like this Nicole Ochi, she has every reason, her her company has every reason to side with 
well, not every reason because it's it's the the case is kind of going at affirmative action, but she has a strong reason to take the side of the lawsuit because it's impacting Asian Americans and her her firm is specifically designed to stand up for Asian American justice. And yeah, so if someone was going to stand up, it would be her, basically. Exactly, and that's where I'm saying it definitely takes away the, the fact that this third party who would have every reason to side with, again, not every reason, I keep saying that, have <laughs> uh, more reasons than not to side with the lawsuit comes in and says, hey, we've, ta- we've taken a look at the data just as a, as a third party and we don't see anything. That makes me think that more than likely there's not really any evidence to prove this. And I think that that could be a huge portion of the case. I mean, how the problem here is how do you prove intent? A lot of issues with race come down to how do you prove that someone is intentionally discriminating or has prejudice? I mean, there are some obvious signs. And when you have numbers upon numbers of statistics, you can say, hey, take a look at the 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 reality of the data. But in this case, I'm wondering if you don't have enough evidence to really back the claims. Yeah, that's why this is a difficult case because there is no measurable. You can't say, well, this certain percentage means that they're not doing the right thing or this percentage means that they are doing the right thing. You can't really do that because it's not ironed out to that specificity. Yeah. So it's kind of up for interpretation on well, do you feel that this is too much? And even and even as like the example of before, if you and I were in a room trying to determine these ten people and, and different things about them, we're gonna look at it. We're gonna we're gonna have like different qualifications in our head and think of it differently. So like me and you might think, all right, well, if we're gonna try to get the most athletic group here, then we're gonna want to base it off of speed. And then you might be like, no, if we're, we want to base it off of strength, and it's unfortunately that's this is not an exact science and that's why you're going to get these really difficult to prove discrepancies. I, I kind of wonder what it would take to just flat out find evidence that this is not okay. Like, I wonder what you would really need to to make that justification. Like if they had actual documentation proving that they were trying to meet quotas, that would definitely be, evidence also be very um, dumb <laughs> yeah well the part of the issue here that we're seeing is like the justice department said harvard hasn't done their due diligence to prove that there isn't any discrimination i'm not saying that that harvard has discriminated against asian americans but if you haven't why don't you just prove that like why, why don't you just take like that's your job within affirmative action is to prove that these the abuse of this policy isn't happening. And to to make things even more complicated, I'm wondering how other minority communities feel about about this situation. How cuz they're going to be impacted on this as well. You know, African Americans, Latin Americans with the impact a case like this could have on affirmative action where we say, "Hey, blank slate, nobody's race matters." Now it's not, you know, the Asian Americans who feel that they've been impacted, obviously, think that they get this huge win. But now, all these other minorities that have grown up with less opportunity, 
you know, like we've, we've talked about it, now have to kind of overcome these obstacles that basically they're born with. And that, that's where, like, I read an article with um, Shirley Leung. She, an Asian-American journalist for the Boston Globe. And one of the things that she talked about that would be so helpful in this whole process if there was more open communication between minority communities where you had Asian Americans, Latin Americans, African Americans talking together to try to find solutions rather than this just, I mean, the plaintiff side is just over a dozen Asian Americans. Now, obviously there are other Asian Americans that aren't part of the case that side with them, but for just this kind of small sample size to take things to this level is where things could could change in a very negative manner, so to speak. Possibly. Yeah. Um, the last thing I want to talk about, and, and you know this about me. I, I say I this a lot. know quite a bit about you. You do I'll know a little bit about me. <laughs> I know a thing or two about this guy. <laughs> What's my favorite color? Do you know that? I'm going to go with blue. No. Yours is blue. Red, 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 red. It's no, red. it's red. I know it's yeah. red. And I got it. I got Gosh. it. Blue is my favorite color. I forgot who I was for a second. <laughs> you thought you were me? I thought it was you, yeah. You'd be way more dope if you were me. You'd be the host uh, if you were me. <laughs> yeah, you're the host. <laughs> uh, that's a funny joke. Funny mm-hmm. joke. Uh, okay, so the, the last thing I kind of want to talk about is I, I believe strongly that a lot of the times how you do something is if not as important more important than what exactly you do like the way that you do it matters and so what's big here within this case is the president of students for fair admissions just so happens to be a white male edward blum pursued a similar case like this one Back in 2016, uh, against the University of Texas, where a white female felt she was discriminated against because of affirmative action, because she didn't get into the university, and they sued the school. Now, they lost that case, but I'm wondering if there is any impact negatively towards this pursuit with the fact that it is a white male that is kind of in charge of this nonprofit organization who who is organizing this lawsuit and keep in mind i guess in theory he is attempting to be for students getting fair admissions like the nonprofit organization states but is this truly in all students best interest um it's it's not necessarily in every student's best interest it it's it causes like a big snowballing effect if you fight for i mean let's be honest here if this actually causes a huge stirrup every single person is affected by this it doesn't matter your race or your gender or anything like everyone is now affected by it because it it completely and we've talked about this in a prior episode about the um higher education in America, uh, there, there does need to be some changes made. And this would be a pretty drastic one to get started with if we, if we start going down the path where it does not matter, you know, who you are anymore. 
other than just what you've done. And I think that that would be, I think the idea of it is really good, but this is a tough one. What, I mean, where, where do you stand on this one? Cause I feel like I, I could probably walk myself into circles all day on this one. <laughs> Cause it's honestly really freaking tough for me. Well, my thought process is I, I do think that like the fact that he's white I, in theory well he's he's helping Asian Americans not be discriminated against he's helping them uh, get fair admissions but at the same time, the way that they're going about getting fair admissions is attacking affirmative action, which is set up in place to aid minority groups who have been impacted by discrimination and prejudice. So in one way, you can say, oh, well, yeah, he's he's doing a good thing by helping out minorities, but he also is possibly, you know, running by by pursuing this case impacting other minority groups in a negative manner and i do think that like as white people we should be able to you know we you and i talked about the the fear of saying the wrong things mm-hmm. and whatever like that's where i think empathy uh, for people all around, it doesn't matter what color you are, where you come from, whatever. We should be able to talk about things and communicate and try to find uh, solutions together, and not be afraid that oh, because I'm a white person, I can't stand up for this injustice. But rather, I just I'm a person that cares about this and care about people, and I want to stand up for this. Like there, there should be that that that, that capacity. You know, Macklemore had. Uh, I watched the Breakfast Club interview with Macklemore, and they always talk to white rappers about what they're doing for like the Black Lives Matter movement. And he talked about how it's not minority groups' responsibility to fix these issues. It's white people's responsibility because we're the ones that fucked up. And part of me thinks that, yes, we should have that accountability. But I think there's a bigger picture here is that there has to be cohesiveness with all people a communication with all people. And that's where the separation between even within the Asian American community makes me feel like this is, it sullies the fact that especially a white male is taking this small group of Asian Americans who have felt discriminated against rather than maybe other steps that they could have taken. Now, then again, I might be speaking out of line because I don't actually know what communication was done between these students and the the university before this went to court. So maybe they did try to talk to Harvard and Harvard just shut them shunned them out, which if they did, that I mean I feel like that's fucked up. That that's the communication I'm talking about that you have to have. If Harvard didn't discriminate against and these students came to them and said, "Hey, why why aren't we being included in this. I feel like there's some discrimination going on. There's something shady here. You know, why not give them the details of what went into the, the, the case? But then again, I, again, I didn't see that part in the research. Yeah. So I think my final thought on this is I, I think 
at some point that it, it does make sense to move to an application where you don't have to fill all that information out. And I hope that we get to that. I just, I'm starting to think the more that we, we sort of talk through this here, that maybe the time just hasn't come yet for that to happen. And as, as great as it would be and as beneficial as it would be, and, and we see every generation, we get a little bit closer to breaking some of these uh, racial prejudice, prejudices. Is that how you say it? Prejudice, uh, I believe. Pre- pre- <laughs> <laughs> Octopuses? <laughs> Octopi? <laughs> uh, we get a little bit closer in every generation to, uh, to not seeing color as being such a thing, to not seeing um, your sexual orientation, your gender, and that's a beautiful thing. And I hope that, you know, my kids, it's better for them and my kids' kids, and I hope that we continue down this path. I just, I don't think that we're quite in enough of a progressive world to do something so, like, I think this is pretty controversial to do this right now because I just don't think we're there yet. That's that's my thought, my final thought on it. And that's, now again, these are our opinions based on the, the information that we have kind of talked about today. So if mm-hmm. you guys disagree, feel free to voice that. Like that, this is the these are the conversations that need to be had in order to 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 come to a common ground. I think what I'm proposing is there be more cohesiveness between groups, not not just the minority groups that are going to be impacted by this, but let's talk. I wish there would have been more communication with. I mean, education needs reform all over the freaking map. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about higher education and our thoughts on that. But, you know, maybe if there's a more – because we talked about affirmative action and how it's kind of this – there aren't really solidified structures behind what it means within admissions process. It's kind of open-ended and you just hope that they're not abusing the process. So if there's just open lines of communication – and we all try to get on the same page. You know, if there's ignorance in here, the, the, I think the big thing is, is trying to eradicate the ignorance about the fact that, oh, there isn't this or this doesn't impact that. You know, a lot of this stuff is connected. And if we can just get on, on somewhat of a level playing field, maybe we can see actual progress towards something that is more equal and fair all across the board. So, I mean, that's the ultimate hope, I think. Exactly. And we would love to hear you about this um, or love to hear from you about this. You can reach out to us on our email, which is emgpod at gmail.com, or you can leave us a voicemail with your comments, which is 513-427-EMG5. We also love getting DMs from you guys, so you can hit us up on both Twitter and Instagram. It is at emgpod. We look at those pretty regularly, and we're pretty quick at getting back. So uh, we also like emojis in there, so feel free to add an emoji or a GIF if you do feel so inclined. Those usually get responded to a little bit faster. Yeah. Um, aside from that, our next episode is going to be uh, actually another uh, episode that deals with race. It will be our episode with the the simply king podcast <laughs> simply king podcast <laughs> i uh brandon always makes fun of me because i always like screw up names and stuff so yeah that's what the uh that's what the laugh's all about he, here he, th- if you're wondering <laughs> why we needed two hosts on the show this is the reason steven just can't 
keep names together every once in a while he gets distracted by things around the area <laughs> all right well we appreciate you listening to this episode and we'll uh talk to you next week take it easy <laughs> <laughs>